welcome to the Lifetime at Work podcast, episode 46. My name is Greg Martin, and I'm an investment banker based in Toronto. My days are spent helping CEOs and business owners make good decisions, while I help manage a team of young professionals who work hard every day to support us. On the side, I record this podcast because the story of our jobs, how they affect us, and why we do them is important. Here we explore different jobs and different topics about the world of work, with the goal of giving you more meaning, purpose, and love for your job. Each week, I interview a different guest, and this week, we're talking about career paths on Silicon Valley. My guest this week is Karthik Suresh, and it's a really interesting discussion because I think it's this very authentic kind of one. Now, Karthik, he started his career in the world of finance. He then moved into the Silicon Valley world. He worked at Facebook for a while. He now owns his own company. And it's just, I don't know, it's a good discussion around the different career trajectories you can have and how you think about them and kind of you start here, where you go next and how you get that whole experience and exposure and journey of the career. And so I'm not really going to say, I don't think I need to say a whole lot more than that. I think that will be a sort of a, a, a good preview anyways for what is to come. But Karthik today runs his own company. Again, like I mentioned, he's worked at a bunch of places and he's, he's not a naturally incredibly techie type, type of guy. He's, he's, he's like us. I don't know. He's like everyone else. And so it's a really great insight and perspective into this world. And he's just a down to earth kind of honest guy. So with that, I hope you enjoy my interview and the career journey of Karthik Suresh. Well, Karthik, welcome to the Lifetime at Work podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Would you mind just giving a brief overview of yourself, a minute or two, just on on your background, and then I will take it away from there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, so excited to be here. Um, I have a tech background. I started my career in um, uh, like high frequency network trading space in New York. Uh, did it for about seven years. Then switched to tech. Was an early employee at. Uh, an early uh, early employee at an enterprise intelligence startup called Craft, and then I worked for Facebook as a PM and before starting Ignition. Uh, so Ignition is my current company, and it's basically a platform to help with uh, um, go to market planning and product launches. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been quite a quite a ride so far. I'm looking forward to sharing the story with uh, the audience. It's interesting on the, I do have a lot of listeners in finance because that's a bit of my background. How did you approach that? And did you have this weird pivot after doing that, entering your career and starting it in kind of call it high frequency trading? I mean, what was, what was unique about you? Why were you good at that? Obviously you you, you were there for, for seven years and you know, what was that experience for you like? Yeah. Um, so I, when I graduated and so I went to school, um, in um, Carnegie Mellon um, in Pittsburgh. And when I graduated, I think most of my class came to the Bay Area um, for, you know, for, to work for various tech companies. But I was probably less than 10 or 20% of the people who came to New York to work uh, on Wall Street. And for me, I felt like, at least at that time, um, it just felt like it was such a fast-moving uh, pace and so many smart people. And also I wanted to live in New York in my 20s. So a combination of city, being around smart people, also living a very fast-paced life is what I really wanted. And that kind of took me to New York. Um, and also kind of 
you know, I heard this amazing things about like, especially on the trading side of things. So yeah, I ended up in New York after graduation. And were you like, were you good at it? Or maybe what was the, what were the pros and cons of, of, of <laughs> that work and that, and that job? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So yeah, it was, it was a crazy time. Um, so I graduated in 2008. Uh, so I graduated right into the financial crisis. Um, thank God I had a job offer where, you know, I got it the year before because the, the next class really struggled to get any job. But even then my first job was at Morgan Stanley in, in Times Square and the building opposite to me was Lehman Brothers. I mean, not many people remember Lehman Brothers right now. It's all green and, you know, it's all the fancier investment banks to work. I had an offer from them, thank God I didn't take it. And I was sitting in my desk. I could see the whole, you know, people actually walk out of the building as Lehman went bankrupt um, and uh, or got acquired by Barclays then. And then the whole building turned from like a green to a blue. Yeah. And I was... I was here, you know, like my first job ever and I was thrown into this, like with all the student debt and like, I don't know what I was doing. So I was like, oh my God, where did I end <laughs> up? I should have just gone to the Bay Area and work in tech. I just don't know why I came here so emotional and I just didn't, I couldn't even process what was going on. But again, those are some of the best, uh, you know, best ways to learn in your life, right? You know, I'm, I'm actually grateful that I got such, you know, got thrown into such situations early on. So I kind of know like, you know, what recession looks like, because most of the times, um, you know, I think when times are good, um, you know, it's very, the learnings are not as much as when the times are bad. <laughs> so yeah. I just I got thrown right into them. And then, and then I joined um, a trading firm, a prop trading firm called Knight Capital after that. And then I was like, okay, finally I have a stable job. You know, let me cruise along. Also, it is algorithmic trading and high frequency trading. So it's all automated trading, so systematic trading. Right. Um, and I, I was a good fit there because I have I, I could combine my CS computer science skills with my trading skills. So um, I really enjoyed my role. But I think uh, you know, uh, basically, Knight Capital. While I was there, uh, the our team has the record. I mean, at the highest. Uh, trading loss ever in one day. Uh, so we lost $400 million in 30 minutes. Wow. So, and again, I was, this is my second job. I mean, again, two, two years out of college. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this. <laughs> here again, I am. <laughs> not the right claim to fame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not the right claim to fame at all. It's like, um, so yeah, if you, you know, if, if anyone's curious, you can search Knight Capital Group. It's on Wikipedia and, you know, it's all public, but uh, there's a software bug and algorithms went rogue. And because of that, actually, you have kill switches in New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ. So we were market making and we started buying a whole bunch of stocks and and the portfolio, uh, basically our portfolio of stocks we acquired were more than the market cap of the company. Um, and I think at the end of the day, we had to sell it to Goldman Sachs for a huge loss and then, you know, we couldn't pay for it. And uh and then anyway, the company survived. I, that weekend, I didn't know if I'm going to have a job or what's going to happen. Yeah, it, just ha- it all happened too fast. But um, but then I think Getco and a bunch of other consortium of companies acquired Knight Capital to become KCG Holdings. Um, and uh, and then yeah, and then you know, then I was there for the next five six years. Um, and you know, 
uh, no, no, nothing crazy, but I just got to learn the whole market making and um, algorithmic trading and different types of trading. I also worked in equities and then worked in fixed income. So just got exposure to a bunch of asset class, bunch of different techniques. Um, and then I was like, okay, I, I don't think I want to do this for the rest of my life because it seems like, you know, it's about taking money and making more money. I felt like I didn't have any impact on anybody's lives or I was not creating something useful for anybody. I mean, obviously like, don't get me wrong, I worked with some of the smartest people and really enjoyed what I did, but I was like, okay, I'm ready for my next phase of my career. And at the same time I was married and like, you know, I was in my thirties and like, okay, you know what I'm going to do next. Yeah. So that's kind of, yeah. When I left New York. <laughs> What was everyone else doing then? You mentioned most people were in the in the Bay Area. Then you know your friends, your peers. Where were they at? In, you know, obviously at a high level or in a more general sense. Yeah, um, all my friends who came to the Bay Area did really well. Um, you know, those are the times when tech stocks were like one twenty or one thirtieth of what they are today. Yeah. People who join any company, Apple, Salesforce, even Oracle. You know, obviously some people who joined Facebook, we're really lucky for them. And like any people, I mean, NVIDIA, like, you know, they got, like I remember, they got shares at $5 a share. Today it's about $400 a share. But um, yeah, just like, you know, people who came to the Bay Area did really, really well. Um, and I was uh, I was thinking I was a smart guy going to the Wall Street and uh, I'm trying to make the big bucks and be really <laughs> successful and live the big life. And then, but then, in, you know, looking back, um, you know, all my friends who came to the Bay Area, they're pretty much like settled and almost like semi semi retired. Like yeah, it's a very yeah. good lifestyle, own a home. And you know, I'm 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 on the other side, I'm like I'm taking risk and that but I have a life experience, which you know, it was just incredible going through all of that. So yeah, no, they did really well. It was a great time to join tech companies then. And so how did you then decide and transition? What was your what was your aim ultimately to get into uh, to that world at that point? Yeah, so I didn't know actually what I was going to do after business school. Um, so I'm sorry, after um, my career in Wall Street. So I joined the business school. So I, I moved to Europe. I moved to London and I joined London Business School. Um, and I was figuring out whether I want to you know, live in Europe or you know, what I want to work in, want to work in consulting or corporate or want to do something very different uh, or even get back to banking. But that was a nice two years for me to just explore and discover and meet people from various different backgrounds and know, understand what each, like what are the various careers out there. Um, and I kind of explored all of them. And I was like, you know, I felt like my heart was like, you know, I think I, I want to, I want to go, go to tech. That's where like, I always wanted to go. I should have gone to tech. Even when I graduated, I should have never gone to New York. I felt like I, you know, there's some kind of a call for me to like, um, you know, build products which impacts people's lives. So that was like my value. It's like, how can I build products which impacts people's lives and I can make an impact? Um, and then, but then I had this huge student debt as well. But I was like, you know, I don't care. You know, I, you know, I, I'm going to follow my heart and I, you know, uh, put all my eggs in a basket and join this uh, two people company called Craft uh, in London. So I was like the second employee. Um, there was just like the CEO and the CTO, and then basically I was the next hire um, and helped them with product and operations. And it was quite a bit of a ride because early on, you know, as you know, with any startup or a new business, whether it's a tech business or any business, it's the first few years are quite a slog and just trying yeah. to understand 
who your customer is, being able to iterate through your product, trying to figure out product market fit. That took several years for us. And, you know, it was quite a bit of slog, but again, you know, I learned so much. Um, I learned a lot during that uh, times. And um, now, now the craft is, you know, I think it's like a series B company. Um, it's craft is valued at 150 million or something like that. Uh, I don't know, but you know, when I started, we were nobody. So yeah. seeing them grow from, um, you know, like 2% to like a hundred plus people today, uh, was fascinating. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful I got that experience. Then after that, um, I joined Facebook because I was like, okay, I'm done working for startups. I want to work for a big company. So I yeah. want to see what it is like to work for a big company. So I joined Facebook. I was a product manager there. I was a product manager on the search team for Facebook app. Then I was a product manager on Facebook Reality Labs, the hardware devices team. And I was early growth PMs there. So I really got to learn, like, it's a very different skill set. Like, how do you deal with massive, massive organizations? Um, how, do you, um, how do you learn to work with people at that scale? Uh, a lot of the skill set was around consensus building and, you know, being able to talk to like your designer, engineer, your marketer, you know, your exec and your legal person, and then trying to figure out like what you want to build. And like, obviously you had so much resources, unlike startup, you had so much resources at your disposal to figure out what you want to build. So it was an absolutely fascinating time. And also like when I was there, the Facebook reality labs was getting a ton of capital injection so i mean i was i was like a early pm in their growth team and before i left there was like 12 pms and 100 more engineers so yeah it was it was it was another great ride but i just felt like you know big companies are not for me um yeah. i know i, I just it's, it's a great to learn so many smart people it's incredible the, the the talent density is absolutely incredible but i felt like you know i was still a cog in the wheel i was like it's like me you know i was not having the kind of impact I always wanted to make, which is the reason why I moved to tech in the first place. Right. Yeah, I was, uh, that's what I was going to ask, whether you felt, you're obviously working on a product, but with a big team, whether you felt enough ownership or felt like it was you who was doing the creating and you making yeah. the product or whether it was sort of more the organization and, and you, you sort of disconnected from it. Yeah, I think it's like a hybrid. I mean, obviously, you know, me and, and less me and our team, let's say, had had a good impact on on you know, Facebook is was good that way. But it's still like you're still like you know, one small component in your big app, right? It's not like you were, yeah. you know, responsible for the whole um, strategy for the entire thing. It's basically like you're moving like smaller parts of a much larger machine. Um, so there was impact and then obviously I shouldn't lie, the, the compensation and money was good then, <laughs> which I definitely miss right now. <laughs> well, you don't have to worry about it, right? It's nice. You know, even if you don't do an amazing job, uh, you're still, you know, or the product isn't, you know, you'll, you guys will figure it out. There'll be someone to help you and you're going to get paid no matter what. Exactly. That's that. The, the good thing is like, yeah. you're always going to get paid. You you will be able to pay your bills. You don't have to worry about running out of money or any of that. You know, you know, you can you can afford to disconnect for a few weeks, take your vacation, not worry about your business yeah. or anything. You know, like you know, even if the world, even if there's a recession, things happen. Like generally, you're going to be okay. Uh, you're going to have a decent life. So, and I definitely miss that <laughs> yeah. after I quit Facebook because uh, it's a it's a very different game um, outside Facebook. 
And so, um, yeah, it sounds like you just realized that it sort of wasn't, wasn't for you. And, uh, had, had you seen like a lot of then people now sort of your peers, you both had sort of the business school peers and then from, um, you, you know, back from when you originally graduated and were, were there a lot of founders? Was a lot of people sort of starting businesses and running businesses of their own? Yeah, there. So, and then, you know, so just to, you know, uh, kind of complete where I was going last time. So I, I, Facebook was good, but I was like, I wanted to do something on my own. And I, when I was at Facebook, when I was launching things, you know, the launch launch plan or go-to-market plan was a spreadsheet with a hundred tabs. And yeah. nobody knew where to find the latest messaging or positioning or the assets. We even shipped a wrong logo, I think. Yeah, it was a nightmare going through a launch. So I was like, there has to be a better way of you know, bringing a product to the market. You know, there's so many tools out there to help you build products, but not a ton of uh, solutions out there which will actually help you bring a product to the market because when you bring a product to the market, you need to think about who's your target persona, you know, what's your messaging, what's your positioning, like how, what's your core value prop, how do you differentiate from your competitors? And now you do all of that, you need to figure out what are the channels you want to use to reach those target audience. Um, and then, you know, execute on this launch and get all the approvals and then measure, measure, uh, the, your you know, signups and option and this, whatever KPIs you have for the launch and iterate. So it's like a huge process and there's like no uh, software out there, which actually helps you take a product to the market. And that's why I, I met Derek through this community called on deck on deck is a community to, for people to like explore and figure out, you know, if you want to build companies, if you want to find co-founders, nice. I met Derek through on deck and, uh, and then, yeah. And then we started, uh, so he used to be running product marketing for rippling, which is the HR tech company here. And then we started ignition and then, you know, we raised some venture capital and then, yeah, we are off to the races. Nice. Okay. So you, yeah, no, I, I mean, it sounds easy. Um, <laughs> um, but obviously, you know, a lot more goes into it. Do, do you find now sort of running a business and, and starting one that you're using a lot? Like, are you using a lot of those call it Facebook skills that you, that you learned that you learned then, or is it more about, you know, how people operate and it's more of the, Hey, when I was, when I was, you know, employee number two at another startup where, you know, a lot of those skills are now what I'm using today. You know, looking back, and it's, you know, I think uh, this, this is the thing, right? You can only connect the dots looking back. It's so hard to connect the dots, you know, looking forward. It's, and you know, Steve Jobs is a famous saying. It's, it's exactly so. I, I, ha- I had to have both before I could start my company. Um, I had to work for Kraft to you know, learn the trade. And that's, that's almost like, you know, you're learning your trade at Kraft. But Facebook helped me with my brand and, you know, also get, get skills about, you know, how to work in big companies, pitch to like, you know, much larger, you know, investors or people who have literally no time how to get their attention and like more of people skills, not less product building skills, yeah. but more people skills. And also with brand, because now it's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a person who has been an early employee in a startup and helped the startup, you know, take off and also being at Facebook. So, uh, which brings which is a lot of credibility to for the investor to say, okay, great, you know, here's a bunch of money for your next startup, right? So it would have been hard without either. Just different types of skills, though. Well, what I've acquired throughout the journey in both of these uh, experiences. What about the the brand, the brand name for you for yourself of having Facebook? Has that been valuable? And like, do you th- for another way, did that help you? Do you think, or to what degree did that help you? Sort of being able to raise. Uh, capital to start your business it is important like 
you know, I think I think one of the reasons I actually went to Facebook is exactly to add that ex Facebook or ex Google to your yeah. profile, right? I mean, people actually, it's a real thing. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's also like I, I wouldn't blame anyone. Unfortunately, it's just like there's hundreds and hundreds of people trying to start companies and pitch. And let's say you're an investor who has some money to invest. Who are you going to bet your money on? So you, when you do your due diligence, if you already know that a person has gone through the rigorous interview process of Facebook or Google, for example, um, or you know has built another startup or or another been at another high fast growing company, it's almost more easier for it to take the leap of faith, right? Yeah. So, but unfortunately, like the, um, you know, the problem is if you so if you don't go to any of these um, you know large companies or high grow high fast growing companies, it's very hard for you to raise money. Um, so it's just the nature of the game because early on, and this is specific to tech companies, by the way, not for all businesses. Early on, you don't have a product. You just have a deck, you have a vision, maybe like you have an MVP, but that's it. Like, so somebody who is giving you money is taking a huge leap of faith, thinking about, okay, you are actually going to execute whatever you have in your deck. So I think having, you know, something like a Facebook or Google in your brand or any fast growing startup in your you know, CV, you know, or being a part of early stage startup adds a ton of credibility and gives so much more comfort for people who are going to, you know, give you money to build your own company next. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, so how long has it been then since you, you founded uh, Ignition? Uh, Ignition has been about more than a little bit more than two years. Um, you know, we are, we are seed stage company, um, Backed by uh, Artman Capital, Blink Capital, Audacious Ventures, and a bunch of other top uh, angels and C-level execs in the valley, so it's a very typical Silicon Valley company and round. Yeah. Um, but you know, we are although we are remote first, so we are kind of globally distributed. Um, so you know, it's not like everyone's in the Bay Area. And we have people in you know, in obviously in the West Coast and then in Europe and in in, in India, like kind of all over the place. So. It's pretty remote first, globally distributed. Um, yeah, so it's been about two and a half years. And, uh, you know, we are we just went through the process of building our own products. So, you know, and now we went live and then we are doing our own go-to-market yeah. launch this year. So that's kind of the phase we are in. Awesome. And is, well, I mean, what was hard? What was the hardest part that you probably didn't expect? And, you know, also given the fact that you had been involved in a startup, but I'm curious, you know, sort of what surprised you when doing it on your own, if, if anything really stands out. Yeah, it's just, as I think we, we, talk, we touched upon it a little bit. Even if you're the first employee on a company or Facebook, you don't have to worry about, you know, you not paying bills or running out of money or your burn, right? So there is a, in addition to like, first of all, you're fighting the odds. You know, you're just basically um, going against um, the wave because nine out of 10 startups fail. So you, you're starting a company knowing that the probability of failure is higher than success. Yeah. On top of it, you have all these, like you don't have safety nets, you know, you have a very limited burn. So it's a huge risk um, to take, um, especially like as you get older and you have other responsibilities in life, but also one of the most incredibly rewarding things you can ever do in your life. And if you want, if you want to learn everything about the business in the shortest possible time, I would advise anyone to just go start a business, right? Even if you fail, it's okay. And most likely it'll fail. My first business, actually, I started it in London with, and you know, 
I, I mean, it didn't really fail, but like I had to exit the company because I didn't, I didn't get along with, uh, with my co-founder or uh, I didn't have the same, I was not on the same page. So for me, it was a personal failure, right? So you, you, and again, I talked about Wall Street where the first two things were crazy because, you know, I was a team, which I mean, I was in a company which went bankrupt. So it's most likely your right first business might fail, but that's okay. That's the only way you learn. It's probably like you're going to learn way more than like four years in college or, you know, 10 years in an investment bank or Facebook, yeah. you know, one or two years, you know, building your own business. It's like a huge boot camp. It's, you know, which you probably, not, no other experience in your career is going to give you that. So it's been incredibly rewarding as well if you, yeah. if you succeed. No, I, I mean, I could, could not agree more. I, I did something similar. I really liked food and got into a food business and found it. And we really got destroyed by the pandemic. Um, it really was not, you know, it was this very much, yeah. and it wasn't as if we were kind of close. It was just, <laughs> as soon as the pandemic happened, it was just, it was so, it had such a material impact on our business. It just made it that much more incredibly stressful and just, you know, near impossible to, to sort of operate. And it was, you know, certainly it was a failure in a lot of ways, but the incredible amount of learning that you get, I mean, I just, I never really, I, I never really could have predicted or understood. And even people now will ask me like, well, what did you learn? And I'm like, I don't even know how to, like, how do you even begin to say, you you, you kind of learn about life <laughs> in, these weird, <laughs> in this weird way and how it works. And I feel like when you work at a company in the corporate world, everything's just very sugar-coated for you. It's been, yeah. someone's thought of it before. That problem's happened. There, there's someone to go to. You don't really have it. it. It It's not costing you anything, so you don't care. And you say the reverse for all those things. When it's a startup, it's all on you. You've got to think, is it worth it? You know, the rationale of people doesn't make sense, but you start to learn. To, it's just, uh, it's just an incredible, uh, incredible experience. And that was for me. I mean, I, I never did the MBA thing. Um, I thought about it a bunch but i sort of felt like that was my mba it was it was a um you know investment in myself and investment in kind of learning about the world of work and business so i you know i resonate a lot with uh with what you're saying and, and like i forgot to mention i you said you graduated 2008 i graduated in 2007 and i was on sort of bay street so the the uh the wall street of canada and a very very similar sort of uh um reaction and impression and, and yeah. startling kind of what the hell's going on with the world that I joined here. So, um, yeah, a lot to, uh, a lot to relate to anyways. Yeah. You know, the, the other thing is like, um, you know, it's like, everything's going to be fine, you know, in, in a few years. So that's another thing to remember for people taking risks, people in the audience, like, you know, go take risk and go do your stuff, whatever you follow your heart, you know, you, you, you might go to some crazy times, so it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh no, I, exactly. I mean, you find your way, you find your place, you find it, yeah. you learn about it. What's interesting about me is that I left the job and I'm actually back doing that same job at the same company that I left oh. to go do the business, <laughs> but with like such a different perspective yeah. on life and what it means to me and how to approach the job. I just, I feel like I'm a different person. But it's very unique. I feel like a lot of people don't really do that. They just go kind of back in that general direction. They don't end up at the same company. But for me, it just made a, you know, for me, it just made a lot of sense. But I, I do have this like direct comparison because it's just so comparable, you know, what I was doing before and now. And just, uh, you know, I can, I can, I can directly see the skills that I didn't have before that I probably now have because I've gone through that experience, which is, uh, which is really neat. So, um, I, I'm, I'm curious of what, you know, over time, what you've seen, in and even in the last because you raised money it, it sounds like in in 2000 in like 2021 uh when the market was probably a little bit better 2020 
um, for for VC money. What what have you seen though generally at a high level from the the market generally in tech and you know the enthusiasm of people, the capital available, and all that has it been has there been you know big impacts from your perspective? Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's day and night compared to years ago versus right now. Um, obviously, it's all about the Fed, right? The whole you know we know that like being financial professionals, you know the interest rates literally sets the tone in the economy. And it affects everything, you know, venture capital, whether it's venture capital, stocks, bonds, like pretty much real estate, everything is affected by the Fed rate. So when they got it to zero, life, you know, it went crazy here. People were just throwing money at startups and people raised at crazy valuations. And like, yeah, it was like unreal. And, you know, you know, when it is again, so hard to separate emotions when you're going through that, I was, you almost think like, okay, it's a new world and, you know, and world has changed, capital is cheap, maybe the tech is more efficient. That's why the new companies being created. But then you then get back to basics like no, nothing has really changed in this couple of years. It's just like crazy interest rates and a lot of money. So everyone just like applied breaks. And that was pretty bad. I mean, there's a huge shakeup going on. Even as we speak right now, a lot of the companies which raised at a pretty high valuation are not able to raise money. Uh, at a higher valuation. In fact, a lot of them are lucky if they raise money at any valuation um, because obviously everything was inflated. I know companies with like a couple of million in revenue raised in 100 to 200 million dollar valuation. And uh, it's not just one of them, it's several of them. And right now they're all like, you know, they're all thinking, oh, it should be exit, like what need to do? And yeah, it's, I don't want to be, thank God, uh, I'm not in any of those companies. But uh but I, like, I only feel for the founders and also the investors what they're going through in this whole paradigm shift. And it's not going to change anytime soon. You know, we are the cycle where it seems like the interest rates have peaked for now. And, you know, Fed is not going to get the interest rate down until the economy starts collapsing or this huge unemployment. And, and by the time they start rapidly decreasing rates, we're probably already in a recession. I mean, at least based on what's happened in the past, based on our 2000 crisis, 2008 crisis, you know, whenever Fed raises interest rates, stops raising interest rates and starts cutting, it's definitely because there's some recession in the market. So by that time, so probably it's probably I'm expecting more pain in the market. It's probably going to work. You're going to get even worse before it again, it starts going to get starting better. And, and what has that done to the people working like, the people sentiment, the people who are who are there, the workers, the employees, the the founders, all the like. Is there is there a did have you noticed a marketed just I, I don't know lack of enthusiasm or uh, or an acceptance of of this being the the kind of the current and potential future state? Yeah, I mean it's you know on, on the other side, like really good companies, they are always able to raise money, right? Yeah. So we the people who raise it like crazy values. If you're still like you know if you're doing well. I mean, there's plenty of dry powder even today, and then you know you'd get funded. But the, the only people who are suffering are people who raised at like really high valuations with right. very low revenue, and they're not able to like grow to that kind of a valuation. But uh, I, and also, I think in general, you know, I think the standards are back to 2019, 2018 for starting companies, which is good yeah. because uh, I think during the pandemic, thousands of companies just got created because it's free money. So I think this is a time when the real good ones get separated from the crowd, like the the wheat gets the separated from the chaff. And I think, again, you know, if you look at Uber, Airbnb, and all those companies, they all got created in 2009, right after the financial crisis. Right. So I'm, I'm guessing, I'm betting, like, 
um, you know, some of the really good companies will come out of this downturn and because they are the ones who will survive and thrive and hopefully Ignition was one of them. Um, and, you know, yeah, that's, that's what I think that's pretty good. That's a pretty good reset for the entire tech uh, startup market. Yeah, for them to be. So I'm curious then on, on sort of advice you would have for either that that guy who was you, you know, graduating and trying to figure out what he wanted to do out in the market, whether it made sense to go to New York or California. And yeah, I'm curious what, what you'd have to say now for advice for you or, or someone in a similar situation. Yeah, so I think the one thing I would say is like, Take risk, especially early on in life. It's very important to take risk. Put yourself in uncomfortable position, change career, change location, change industry, follow your passion, follow your heart. You know, don't worry about the, the next 20 years or 30 years of life. Don't worry about, oh, my next goal is to buy a house. No, it's for you. This is your exploration, especially in your 20s. This is the time you got to explore. You got to take risk. You got to try out a few different things and then find what's the right career for you or your what location for you. And, and, you know, a lot of the times, you know, in fact, um, a lot of the times you know, when right out of college, people get a good job at Amazon or whatever, one of the top companies and probably they, they work there for 10 years, but then when they get out, it's already, they're married with kids and mortgage. It's so hard for them to like, yeah. take jobs or risk career. So, but in twenties, you don't have any responsibilities. You don't have have to worry about a lot of things which you have to worry about in your thirties. So just go crazy, take risks, change jobs, change locations, and yeah, live your life because you know life is short. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I, that's great advice. I think because yeah, you do you do get old uh, <laughs> quickly. All of a sudden, it creeps up on you. I guess as you're thinking through then sort of building those foundations for yourself to set yourself. Well, you know, one way to think about it is, all right, my twenties call it, I'm, I'm really just trying to make sure I learn a bunch of stuff. In some cases it's getting good, you know, Facebook branding or getting good experiences so that I can leverage those later on when, when potentially I, you know, I will have a better chance to raise capital, whatever it might be. I mean, how do you put together those, those skills and, and weigh that? I don't know if you've got any advice. I mean, my, 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 like I started my career in investment banking and that was sort of my impression. Like my attitude was very much, all right, I'm just going to work like hard, like crazy and learn a lot from what I think are, you know, just a lot smarter people. And then I'll have the option to do whatever I want after that. And that was kind of my impression. Do you think that's a right though? I mean, I, I feel, I'm asking you because you sort of had the both of the, yeah. uh, you know, cause I would still probably recommend people do that as well. But I'd also say like, you know, after you've done a couple yeah. years of banking, don't feel don't don't feel afraid to go and do something completely crazy. You can always come back exactly. to banking. Yeah. You can always do, you know, I, uh, that's what I, anyways, that's sort of the loose advice I'm getting these days. No, it's exactly the same thing. Whether you join Amazon, Facebook, banking, McKinsey consulting, or, you know, any, any, any firm, um, the, 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 you know, if you, if you actually get a job offer and you, you know, you join them early on, right. It's a, it's a, you know, yeah. it's hard to get in first place. So great. Just make the most of it, but don't get sucked in. Don't like feel pressure after like a couple of years, you've been around with smart people and learned enough Then don't go into the treadmill that, oh, now I need to become an associate. I need to become a VP. I need to become a director. And this is going to a treadmill and then to be a partner. And then by the time, you know, you're old and you know, you're already established, you can't try out new things. You can't try out new careers or, you know, you, you realize banking easier way or Facebook is the one you want to spend your life. Great. Go for it. Yeah. But uh, do it because of choice, not because, 
you know, life has just like dragging you in the direction and you just like not take any action uh, to change things if you're not happy, right? So that's more like it. But uh, yeah, 100%, I think if all these companies are, uh, or even early stage startups are a great place to start your career and learn from a bunch of smart people. But the main thing is like not to get sucked in to that way of life. You know, same thing even at Facebook or you can say, okay, I want to be level three, level four, level five, level six, level seven, and director. And that's when then by the time you're a director, like, oh, I got this last 15 years of my life. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? Great. You have a bunch of money, but like, did you have a life experience? Did you did you even know what real world looks like? <laughs> There's so many questions yeah. get unanswered. Um, I think that's where the risk taking comes you know get out start a business you know or join some random industry and then you're like okay i don't like it get, you can always go back you know it's not the end of the world but the most important point is to explore and take this yeah yeah yeah. one of the things i don't know if this resonates with you at all one of the things that i did completely not not intentional i i so i did buy a house but not a big one i didn't spend very much on my house and i felt like that actually enabled me to be an entrepreneur because if i had gone ahead and just bought the biggest house I could with what the bank would have given me for the amount of income that I had at the time, I would have just been, I wouldn't have been able to do anything else. I just would have had to make sure I keep working and, and make sure I could make those payments. But I didn't for some reason, I think it's just because I'm cheap. I didn't buy that big of a house because I didn't and, or that expensive of a house. And it actually just afforded me this flexibility. And it was just, it was one of those things that I don't really you know, it's it's hard to say. Okay, this was the thing, but it it, it was interesting. I I don't know if that resonates with all with all you or when you yeah. or if you bought a house, but it just it's one of those. It really can tie you in to what you have to do with life because of uh, you know the bank being all over you for this house. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a tricky thing. I think it also depends on the location. For example, if the Bay Area, you can't even afford to buy it earlier. Yeah. Um, Right. But my other thing is like, it also ties you to the location, right? So generally like if you buy a house. Um, so for me, that was more important that I had this flexibility to move cities and move even countries or continents if required without having to worry about, I mean, you can always sell the house and, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it's like psychologically, it's just another thing you got to like deal with. It gets you like, you know, it's just like, that's, that's what I, I, I mean, I would say, I think, 20s i mean if you if you if you can afford one and invest that's great but i would i wouldn't again it's all of those things whether we talked about joining a bank you just don't get sucked in don't get tied to that don't make it a sense of your identity that you know i am i am this amazon person who lives in bay area and that's who i am like you know you could take risk they go explore right yeah. it's all about like making sure you don't get held back by all of these things which you acquire and create or work so yeah um, flip, flipping back a little bit to the to your company ignition, what do you think you have to do? Like, what needs to have to happen? What's really important to make it successful in 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 your right? Like, what 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 do you need to 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 make that be true? Yeah, I mean, so right now we are basically helping product teams, basically product managers and product marketers, you know, bring the right products to market, right, and also help them launch the product and distribute the product. So we, you know, I really want to make an impact where obviously, you know, money is one thing and, you know, getting admission to a really big company would be a dream, but I really want to like, you know, meet the product teams and then like, Hey, you know, I'm building this product. I'm using Ignition. Ignition changed the way I built my product or really helped me to bring my product faster to the market. Um, and I want to hear those things. I want to, I want to, I want to see that Ignition actually impacted people's lives. You know, I mean, there's a very tangible product, which is, you know, people are using and it's making an impact, making the businesses better. It's making the whole product 
development lifecycle better, helping more people get their products to the market. So that's what I want to see. I think that's the purpose. That's if I would say I'll be successful if I if we can make that happen. Um, obviously, the other things like raising money, making it a big company, and growing uh, would be great. But that's not the main motivation here. But you know, just getting people to like actually use it and love it, right. and then help them change their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And so how are you on that journey or what do you put forward as your goals to kind of get you there? Do you like, do you know the, the path to get, to get there and, and what you think it would take to achieve it? Yeah. I mean, I obviously have an idea. I wish I knew exact path. Um, but again, that would take away the fun from it too. So it's a little bit of yeah. an adventure, but having done that a few times before, so I, I have, you know, we have a, a couple a decent idea of what it looks like. We are at a very early stage right now. So we just built the product and now we are trying to get our first set of customers. Um, so where do you go from here? It's like, you know, we are in the zero to one phase, right? So once we hit one, and then then we need to go from one to 10, which is scale phase. So how do we scale? So once we, once we know that there's a few people who are paying us and loving the product, then we are like, okay, how do we scale? And how do we plan our own go-to-market? And then get more and more companies and what's the sales motion? And you know, having the sales team in place, uh, expanding the footprint of the product. Um, so that's the next step. And then once we have the one to 10, then it's like basically going to a growth phase, right? You know, zero to one, one to 10, 10 to 100. Um, I mean, so by zero to one, and I can also talk about it in terms of revenue and zero revenue to build the first million dollar in revenue. Right. And then one million to a 10 million and 10 to 100. So the companies are very different. Like what you do, the tactics you use is very different from one to 10 versus zero to one. Um, at this stage, you're doing things which don't necessarily scale because you're trying out different things. You're experimenting with a lot on the product side, on the marketing side, on campaign side, on the messaging side. But from one to 10, you have all that figured out. You're just like, okay, how do I take it and get to 10 quickly? And then from 10, it's all about like you know, scaling and you know, obviously raising way more money and investing in like huge marketing campaigns and much larger sales teams. So you have a pretty good idea of like how to scale the company. On the product side, yeah, we're very passionate about it. It's just like keep talking to users all the time. You know, we have a very good analytics, both product and quantitative and qualitative data on like how people are using the product. So keep using the data to iterate and iterate and until they give you like, okay, this is this product is amazing. Like, you just can't live without it. It's almost like, you know, we have this uh, NPS survey or, or the product market fit survey where, you know, you, you talk about like, you know, how disappointed will you be to actually lose access to this product? And you want a lot of people in that kind of a bucket. Like people should be upset if they take away the product from you. If they're like, hey, not, it's not going to change my life, then you know, it's your job. It's right. like, no, don't take this away from me. <laughs> you know, So you need to get that kind of reaction. Uh, and then you know you hit one, and then you go to 10, and then from one. That's, that's kind of the path, what the path looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess it's interesting that you don't know, like in, in some ways, what's what's cool and unique probably about the Silicon Valley world, the the kind of the tech idea is that, yeah, you don't really know where it's going to go. It's you, you can kind of predict and you can give yourself all these options and values. But, you know, when you have a more probably call it a traditional company, it, it's pretty obvious. So I don't know, in a lot of ways, you, I don't know, I, I've got a background in the restaurant industry. So, you know, I have a good sense. It's kind of like, yeah, you start with one restaurant, you figure it out, you add another one, like it's pretty, you know, yes, sure. You might not know all the details within there, but you can kind of see the path. But there's a lot of different ways I think that you can you can kind of get there, which makes it uh, which makes it interesting. And you probably can't prescribe too 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 much of it as much as um, 
you probably want to, or the world might ask you to, you know, okay, let's write down the, the, the five, the 10 year business plan. It's probably pretty challenging to actually, uh, to, to do with a lot of conviction because there's a, there's a bunch of unknowns that you don't re- really know today and, and you, yeah. you're just going to, they're going to evolve sort of with you. Um, 100%. Every, every, I don't say every company is different. You know, there's no, you know, people say, if somebody says, oh, there's a playbook, there is no playbook. Every yeah. company is different. And, and they have, you know, if you listen to the founder stories of how they got to product market fit, even for, even like Slack was a gaming company. Figma took five years to hit product market fit. Like every company is so different. There is no real like playbook. You have a, an idea, of course, and that's it to your point, but yeah, how it's going to turn out, nobody knows. I mean, that's the, that's the adventure, right? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the life experience. So, yeah. Yeah. So with whatever ends up, whatever happens, like, do you see yourself, maybe you don't know at this stage, it's probably hard, but like being a founder or at least working in, in kind of early stage companies, or could you see yourself going back to something like Facebook or a a big tech firm in the future? Yeah, I hope not. I mean, I hope, uh, you know, hopefully ignition takes off and, um, you know, I can continue to either do more companies like Later on, or you know, maybe start investing in companies or giving back uh, to the industry, which gave me so much. Um, once ignition is successful, so those are kind of some what's on my mind, and also want to get a lot into like um, exploring the spiritual side of things and getting more into like yoga and meditation, and you know, trying to you know help maybe work with some nonprofits and communities, giving back, and like exploring what's next. Uh, obviously, like that's still a long way to go. Want to yeah, just yeah, make yeah. sure ignition takes off. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, you don't get too distracted, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> With well, other things, don't get distracted at all right now. <laughs> exactly. No, I know, I know, and I, I know. That's how I think we tend to think about uh, think about things. Is um, you know, it's not it's not retirement in the sense that I'm going to move to Florida. It's retirement. It's a it's a different type of you know stage of your career where you are doing something different, and uh, and that's and that's kind of down the line. But I think it's good to. Um, yeah, I don't know. See it, see, see this and see, you know, what you're doing and creating, um, uh, you know, a cool company in, in, in its own right. And wherever, wherever it goes, obviously it's going to, it'll, you know, take, take, take you there. So, um, I, I guess one of my sort of more last questions was just around, um, the, like your, your sort of undergrad, what did you do? And, and what do you sort of, what advice do you give to people who are interested in getting into technology in terms of kind of the education part of it? To, to do what's what's kind of what's important yeah i mean um if you're getting into tech you know i mean it also depends what like you know if you're interested in uh programming then obviously a computer science degree is great um a lot of the times you don't even need a degree you know you have amazing uh, computer science boot camps out there and then you can join an early stage startup and hustle your way to the to the top um but i would say that's less common than what people you know actually say on Twitter <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, the reality is like the most people have like, you know, um, degrees, um, you know, in, in, uh, in computer science and then, you know, you, you, you work your way up and you obviously the first, the first step in the journey is like associate with smart people, you know, be around smart people, just be a sponge, absorb as much as possible uh, from the smart people you work with, you know, choose your first manager, not your first company, uh, choose your first mentor, not the money. Because those are the things which are going to set foundations for your life, and you're going to build your life on those foundations. Um, so you know, making sure having this a really good degree, being around smart people, good manager, good mentor, good advisor, surround yourself with them, and that's I think was the, the some of the first few things you got to do um, to set up your life the right way, or set up your career the right way. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I like. I might take myself back to when I first started my job. Absolutely, like the the the, the associates who I was working with at the time. I mean, they they were they kind of like I was like I was that sponge. I didn't really again felt like I didn't know anything. They really set the foundation of, of almost like in a way like who I was, but also what I believed in and how I went about the world of work. Like a, a lot of things, I, they had no idea. I don't think that they were that they had that impact on me. But, you know, it was just such a new environment that I had never really been around. And again, yeah, it was it was you just that kind of becomes who you are. So, yeah, I think that is good advice to to think that way, because it's really important. Hard to do. You can't you don't always have the luxury of choosing everything. Sometimes you just got to take the job you get. But I think, you know, that self-awareness of, uh, of, of of what's going to happen to you and and the impact that, that some of those people will have on you, I think, is, is pretty, uh, pretty important. So. Um, so if people want to learn more about ignition and, and yourself, what are the best ways to, to, to follow? Yeah. So, you know, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. It's, uh, my LinkedIn handle is Kartik Suresh LBS on Twitter is my first name, last name. My handle is Kartik Suresh. The website uh, for ignition is haveignition.com. It's H-A-B-E-I-G-N-I-T-I-O-N.com. So yeah, this is all the ways um, you can connect with me and, you know, happy to, you know, jump on a call or you know, talk about anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate you being on the podcast. I think hopefully a lot of people got a good sense for for sort of who you are. And if they do reach out, um, you know, they'll, they'll know already, already know a lot about, about you, which is, yeah. uh, which is always the helpful thing. So thanks a lot for, for joining me on the podcast. I think it was really helpful for everyone listening. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you're a fan of the podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you are on and listening to podcasts. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's a great way. I'll have lots more podcasts and great guests for you in the future. And until then, remember, it's good to stand out. <music>